This is literally a matter of life and death. Growing threat from the coronavirus. Social distancing. Suspended masses. 80 million Americans were still not vaccinated. On March 12, 2020, the first COVID-19 restrictions were issued. What happened next marked one of the greatest intrusions on civil liberties ever seen in American peacetime. What lessons should the whole church take from the COVID pandemic? From Catholic Vote, this is COVID and the Catholic Church. Welcome back to the receipts for the conclusion of COVID and the Catholic Church, brought to you by the Catholic Accountability Project from Catholic Vote. All footnotes, sources, and graphics cited for this installment and all of our other episodes can be found at www.catholicvote.org CAP. Today we ask, where do we go from here? Find out who wants to quietly move on and who is willing to ask hard questions. Did the church go too far in complying with popular and government COVID-19 restrictions? And what lessons can we learn from this period in American and global history? But first, if you've enjoyed COVID and the Catholic Church, please consider supporting future series from the Catholic Accountability Project. Go to catholicvote.org give to learn more. And now for the conclusion of COVID and the Catholic Church. COVID-19 and its accompanying restrictions forever colored the lives of untold numbers of Americans over a three-year period. There is now understandably a widespread desire among some to quietly move on. But this feeling is far from universal, and many people remain deeply frustrated at what they see as a lack of accountability or even honest discussion of how the pandemic was handled. Both attitudes, a preference for quietly changing the subject, and a continuing zeal for accountability now coexist uneasily in the Catholic Church. Sadly, the signs indicate that church leaders, both in the United States and in Rome, are generally uninterested in a frank discussion of how the pandemic was handled, even as plenty of laypersons are hungry for more candid reflection on what went wrong. One thing is certain. Avoiding the topic will be a mistake in the long run, especially since America's general crisis of trust in institutions seems to be replicating itself within the church. The U.S. bishops are prioritizing a three-year program of Eucharistic revival, which began in June 2022 in response to a crisis of faith in Catholic teaching on the body and blood of Christ. To a degree, this program of sacramental revival is also a response to the pandemic restrictions that disrupted mass attendance, a decline from which the American church has not yet recovered. The National Eucharistic Revival website cites the need for recovery and renewal from the pandemic, and the claim that more than 30% of Catholics have not returned to the pews post-pandemic as two of the reasons for its launch. Even so, this program is, at most, merely an indirect response to COVID restrictions. Less optimistically, the new program may provide a distraction for bishops and church institutions who want to ignore the question of how they handled the pandemic. This is not to disparage the goals of the Eucharistic revival, of course, but simply to point out what may go unaddressed in the process. One indicator of this, the U.S. Bishop's June 2023 Plenary Assembly had no agenda items related to the handling of COVID-19, or how the Church might approach a future public health crisis, even though the meeting took place just two months after President Biden ended the COVID national emergency. 
true to form, the outspoken Archbishop Emeritus Charles Chaput stated publicly in 2021 that some bishops were too compliant towards state-imposed COVID restrictions. He was nearly a lone voice in saying this at the time or subsequently. But Archbishop Chaput was not able to lead by example, having been replaced as Archbishop of Philadelphia shortly before the pandemic was declared in 2020. Cardinal Dolan's June 2023 column, asking, Did we go too far with COVID-19 restrictions?, was an exception to the trend of moving on without discussion. Jason Shanks of our Sunday Visitor noted that it wasn't every day you see a cardinal publicly do an after-action review on what we got right and what we could improve upon. I think such self-evaluation, openly and publicly, is healthy, healing, and allows for us collectively to grow and learn, Shanks wrote. Sometimes we never look back, and by not doing so, never learn in our institutional consciousness. Nevertheless, the U.S. Bishops' Conference has made no public statement on the subject since December 2020. In Rome, meanwhile, there has been virtually no public discussion about how the Church handled COVID-19. Whatever one thinks of the Vatican Synod on synodality, its conversation in the spirit appears unlikely to include much, if any, frank discussion of COVID-19. In all the talk of a listening Church, there is no sign of such concerns being seriously heard. Some would argue that the Church's pandemic response, in both its positive and problematic aspects, is among the few subjects on which there probably ought to be an extensive public discussion of where we have been and where we are going. Yet the Synod's June 2023 working document made no mention of the pandemic. Some tiptoeing around the subject is understandable, if perhaps unwise. In the U.S., many church leaders likely see the discussion of COVID measures as a hopelessly polarized and politicized dead end, a topic bound to generate a great deal of negativity and little else. This does not have to be the case. As this series has shown, there was plenty of good in the church's pandemic response alongside the questionable or negative aspects. There are cautionary lessons to learn from, but also things done right that should be reinforced and carried forward in the future. This series has focused on four key areas where church leaders and institutions were most seriously tested, and the Catholic faithful at large were most deeply affected. Religious liberty, particularly the freedom to reopen churches on par with secular establishments. Access to the sacraments, especially in critical situations and among vulnerable populations the education and well-being of children in Catholic schools, and the practical and doctrinal controversies raised by vaccine mandates. It's neither a scorecard nor meant as the final word on these controversies. Still, we should never forget the following. First, the Church had historic success in litigating for religious freedom against government overreach and in keeping its schools open while a majority of public schools engaged in disastrous closures. Second, many priests stepped up heroically to provide the sacraments in critical situations, and Catholic hospitals did notably better than other facilities in making spiritual care available. That said, problems in the fidelity of some Catholic hospitals were apparent in their flawed handling of sacramental access. Third, on school mask mandates, Many dioceses at least pursued flexible policies of local control. Overall, however, the masking of schoolchildren may have been ineffective and even harmful. 
Meanwhile, state-imposed mask mandates were uniquely difficult for church institutions to fight under modern legal precedents that are often highly deferential to government. Finally, vaccine mandates caused a sharp and still unresolved division in the church. Some bishops and Catholic institutions took the Vatican's teaching as a general opposition to mandates, but other bishops, and ultimately the Vatican city-state itself, imposed them. The teaching needs to be clarified, given how vaccination became an unexpectedly complex and hugely divisive issue for society at large for nearly two years. In all of these areas, we hope church leaders and the whole people of God will reflect seriously on the pandemic experience and its meaning for the future. On a spiritual note, one of the most important ways for the church to draw wisdom and strength from the pandemic experience would be to canonize COVID-19 victims who died in a manner worthy of sainthood. Among the many Catholics who died during the COVID-19 pandemic, it seems there must be some among the clergy and consecrated persons, as well as the ordinary lay faithful, who gave their lives heroically for the love of God and neighbor, and who would be found worthy of canonization if investigated. In his retrospective on COVID, Cardinal Dolan cited canonized saints and others being considered for sainthood, who made heroic sacrifices to care for others during past outbreaks of deadly diseases. While he acknowledged the value of many pandemic policies, Cardinal Dolan also said he worries that future decades will not look back at us with the same admiration we now have for a St. Aloysius Gonzaga, St. Damien of Molokai, and those young martyrs of Shreveport. It seems very likely, however, that there are such Christ-like figures to be found in the annals of the pandemic, perhaps, for instance, among the hundreds of priests who died from COVID-19 in Italy. In India, where several hundred Catholic priests and religious likewise died, it has been reported that many had the opportunity to move to better places for treatment, but they stayed with the people who did not have the luxury of better treatment and eventually died. In Canada, there are reports of an anonymous priest who chose to voluntarily be incarcerated in order to continue ministering to prisoners during the pandemic. While he is not known to have died, there may well be others who made similar choices and paid with their lives. Canonizing the authentic saints of COVID-19 would benefit the church in several ways. It would help the Catholic faithful to see the pandemic experience more clearly in the light of the gospel. And it would offer inspirational contemporary examples for the church, which has suffered from doctrinal confusion and a weak sense of mission. Every moment of our lives is, above all, an opportunity for sanctity in union with Christ, and the most difficult times are often the most important in this regard. In the work of both external evangelization and internal reform, the church should be able to point to those who lived these gospel truths to the utmost, even to the point of self-sacrifice during the COVID-19 pandemic. We have often been told to trust the experts and follow the science, and authentic secular science and expertise certainly have their place. Beyond that, however, the Catholic Church insists more completely than any other religion that faith and reason are harmonious. The saints are the greatest experts we can trust in, and theirs is the ultimate science to be followed in every trial the Church will face until the end of the world. Hopefully, the next time the church is hit by a pandemic of historic magnitude, there will be canonized saints of the COVID-19 era to look to for guidance and help. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed COVID and the Catholic Church, you'll love Catholic Votes The Loop. 
It's your free daily news feed and Catholic media source, all in one email every morning. Go to GetTheLoop.com to get the most important headlines from trusted sources, the best of blogs, your saint of the day, the daily scripture readings. What are you waiting for? Sign up for The Loop today at GetTheLoop.com. If you've enjoyed the receipts and want more deep dive series from the Catholic Accountability Project, subscribe, leave a comment, and let us know.